Goofy, movie star. Goofy was an easygoing fellow who enjoyed simple things. He lived in one of the busiest, busiest cities in the world, Hollywood. Most people who lived in Hollywood wanted to be in the movies, but not Goofy. He just liked watching them. Goofy had never thought about becoming an actor, even though he liked movies a lot. Goofy often went to the theater to watch films. He always got popcorn. One day, Goofy was watching a particularly funny movie. It made him laugh and slap his knee. Then everyone went around Goofy began to laugh, but not just at the Goofy, at Goofy's laugh. Hearing him made everyone want to chuckle. Goofy didn't mind. He was glad people were happy. Then he noticed two mysterious men staring at him. Gosh, Goofy said, they don't look happy. Goofy went back to watching the movie. It got even funnier. Goofy couldn't stop laughing. Everyone around him erupted into howls of laughter. The two men got out of their seats and each grabbed Goofy by an arm. They led him out of the theater. Goofy thought he was being thrown out for making too much noise. It turned out that the men worked for the studio that had made the movie. The men took Goofy to a fancy office. <coughs> they, <coughs> they introduced him to Mr. Big Shot, who was in charge of a film studio. I heard nobody was watching my movie today because they were all watching you, Goofy. Mr. Big Shot said. Sorry about that, Goofy replied. Don't be, Mr. Big Shot said. You made people laugh, and that's good. How would you like to star in my next comedy? Goofy had never dreamed that he'd be in a film, but he was willing to try it, as long as there was popcorn. Mr. Big Shot ordered his staff to write a movie with jokes, singing, and dancing just for Goofy. The problem was that Goofy didn't know how to be an actor. So when he tried to tell jokes, he forgot the words. When he sang, he was off-key. And when he danced, he usually tripped. The director of the movie didn't know what to do. He invited Mr. Big Shot to a rehearsal. He hoped that the movie would be canceled. But Mr. Big Shot loved what he saw. Goofy, you're a genius, he exclaimed. Forget the script. The movie is much funnier your way. We're going to have a hit on our hands. Do you really think so, asked Goofy. I know so, Mr. Big Shot replied. Then he told the director to get Goofy another tub of popcorn. Gee, thanks, Goofy said. He munched on the popcorn. Mmm, extra butter. Mr. Big Shot wanted lots of people to go see Goofy's movie in the theater. To make sure everyone knew about it, the studio put Goofy's picture on billboards all over town and sent letters to reporters. On opening night, a limousine took Goofy to the theater. As the car pulled up, Goofy saw huge spotlights over a sign with his name on it. Goofy stepped out of his car and reporters crowded around him. They took his photo and asked him questions. Goofy, a reporter asked, how did you manage to get a starring role when you've never been in a movie before? Like this, said Goofy. He threw back his head, slapped his knee and laughed. <laughs> that night at the theater, the audience laughed too. The movie was one of the funniest they'd ever seen. When it was over, everyone stood up and applauded Goofy. Mr. Big Shot was thrilled. He asked Goofy to be in more movies. Goofy was given his own trailer, and the studio's writers wrote lots of scripts for him. Goofy made one movie after another. He acted the part of an artist, a race car driver, an Olympic athlete, and a wealthy businessman whose yacht was stuck on a desert island. Even though some of the movies were meant to be serious with Goofy in the starring role, they all ended up being comedies. All the movies Goofy started were hits, and they made him lots of money. 
Go and spend some of it, Mr. Big Shot suggested one day. Photographers love to follow big stars while they shop. They'll put stories in their magazines and people will read all about you. So that's what Goofy did. First, he picked out a closet full of new clothes. Next, Goofy went car shopping. Orange is my favorite color. Except for when the screen, he told the auto salesman. When Goofy couldn't decide which car he wanted, he bought them all. Do you deliver, he asked. I still haven't learned how to drive. After that, Goofy bought a mansion that was so big he kept getting lost in it. Mr. Big Shot was right. The press loved following Goofy and writing stories about his glamorous life. Soon he was a bigger star than ever. In fact, Goofy became so popular that he couldn't go anywhere or do anything without a reporter following him. Most people would find all the attention annoying, but not Goofy. One morning, a cameraman climbed in through Goofy's kitchen window. The man wanted to film Goofy. Goofy didn't mind. He just ate his breakfast. Goofy was always busy. When he wasn't making movies, he was going to parties and award shows or giving interviews. He liked meeting new people, but he missed his quiet life. One night at a movie premiere, Goofy told Mr. Big Shot that he was thinking of quitting show business. Mr. Big Shot offered him more money, but Goofy didn't change his mind. A bigger trailer, his boss gasped, trying again. Goofy shook his head. More snacks? Another house? Your own yacht? Mr. Big Shot asked. Thanks, said Goofy. I have everything anybody could want, except time to myself. Movie stars live life in the fast lane, but I'm kind of a slow lane guy. I see, said Mr. Big Shot. So when are you leaving? Right now, Goofy answered with a laugh. Aha! He jumped for joy. He was getting his old life back. It took a while for reporters to forget about Goofy, but soon he could visit with friends and go sightseeing without anyone recognizing. One afternoon, Goofy snacked on a hot dog. A tourist stopped and stared at him. Hey, aren't you a movie star, the man asked. Nope, Goofy answered. I'm just plain Goofy, he thought happily. Dumbo. One night, a traveling circus elephant named Mrs. Jumbo was expecting the arrival of her baby. She watched as storks delivered baby kangaroos, hippos, and tigers, but no one came with an elephant. Mrs. Jumbo wondered where her baby could be. The following morning, the circus crew packed up to get ready for their next stop. Everyone was eager to go, except Mrs. Jumbo. She worried that the stork wouldn't know how to find her. All aboard, the ringmaster shouted. Mrs. Jumbo had to get on the train. Soon, all of the circus animals and crew were ready. Toot, toot! The train whistle sounded, and they were off. Just as Mrs. Jumbo settled down in the elephant car, a stork peeked in. He had brought Mrs. Jumbo her baby at last. She and her son smiled at each other for the first time. All of a sudden, the baby elephant sneezed. Mrs. Jumbo saw that he had big ears, longer than a Norman adult elephant's ears. The other elephants gasped. Then they started to laugh at the baby elephant. Mrs. Jumbo ignored them. She loved her new son, just the way he was. Everyone began to call the baby elephant Dumbo. At the next stop, he began to march in the parade with all the other performers and animals. Dumbo followed his mother and smiled at the crowd. Then he tripped over his droopy ears and fell into a mud puddle. Splat! Everyone laughed at him. Mrs. Jumbo picked up her son and carried him the rest of the way. After the parade, Mrs. Jumbo was giving her son a bath when some boys walked by. Look at his ears, one of them yelled. He yanked on one of Dumbo's ears, which scared the little elephant. 
Mrs. Jumbo was furious. With her trunk, she grabbed the boy by his shorts and lifted him into the air. The circus crew panicked. They tried to tie Mrs. Jumbo down, but she broke loose and ran away. Later that day, the circus crew captured Mrs. Jumbo and locked her in a wagon by herself. From then on, the other elephants ignored Dumbo. I wouldn't eat at the same bale of hay with him, one elephant said. Then they all turned their bags on him. Dumbo felt so alone. He didn't know what to do next. A mouse named Timothy had been watching Dumbo. He went over to talk to the baby elephant. Timothy knew that Dumbo was worried about his big ears and he wanted to cheer him up. I think your ears are beautiful, Timothy told Dumbo. Lots of people with big ears are famous. All we gotta do is build an act and make you a star. Suddenly they overheard the ringmaster talking about a new act, a pyramid of elephants balancing on a single ball. The ringmaster didn't know how to end the act, but Timothy had an idea. Dumbo could jump from a seesaw up to the top of the pyramid. The ringmaster loved it. On the day of the show, the elephants were nervous, especially Dumbo. He kept tripping over his ears, so Timothy tied them back. During the act, Dumbo's ears came loose and he tripped over them. Bang! Dumbo smashed into the pyramid and all the elephants came crashing down. Dumbo had ruined the act. The elephants had gotten hurt and they were angry with Dumbo. The next day, the ringmaster made Dumbo a clown. Being a clown made Dumbo sad. The other clowns teased him and Dumbo felt lonelier than ever. Even his friend Timothy couldn't cheer him up. One night, Dumbo fell asleep and dreamed of flying through the air. When he woke up the next morning, he was up in a tree, and some crows were watching him. Timothy was with Dumbo in the tree, but neither of them remembered how they'd gotten up there. Maybe you flew up, one of the crows said. That's it, Timothy exclaimed. Dumbo, you flew. Your ears, they're perfect wings. Dumbo didn't believe Timothy, but he agreed to try to fly again. One of the crows told Timothy to give Dumbo a feather and pretend that it was magic and could help the elephant fly. The plan worked, and soon Dumbo was soaring through the air. A while later, Dumbo flew back to the circus. Timothy told Dumbo to keep his flying a secret until that afternoon's performance. When it was time for the clown act, Dumbo climbed to the top of a burning house, as he always did. Then he waited until the clown shouted for him to jump. Poor are they in for a surprise, Timothy said. The mouse scurried up to Dumbo's hat. Jumbo dumped off the building, holding the magic feather with his trunk. As Dumbo fell toward the ground, the magic feather blew away. The elephant didn't know what to do. You can fly, honest you can, Timothy shouted, as he and Dumbo began to fall. Just as they were about to hit the ground, Dum Jum Dumbo started to believe in himself. He flew upward, then sped around the entire circus tent. The clowns were shocked, and the crowd clapped louder than they ever had before. Dumbo dived toward the clowns and sent them running. Then he did a loop-to-loop -loop in midair. People cheered and pointed. You're making history, Timothy exclaimed. Timothy was right. Dumbo became the most famous elephant in the world. Everyone wanted to see him fly. Timothy became Dumbo's manager, and the little elephant's mother was freed. Dumbo was happier than he ever thought he could be. He forgave everyone who had been unkind to him, for his heart was as big as his magical ears. Mary Poppins It was morning on Cherry Tree Lane. 
everyone on the street had begun their day. That is, everyone except Jane and Michael Banks. They were still snuggled under covers in the nursery of 17 Cherry Tree Lane. Their nanny, Mary Poppins, pulled back the blankets firmly. Up, up, she said. We'll have no lounging about on a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious day. Supercalo what, Mary Poppins asked Michael? Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, of course. If you can't think of a word that says just what you want to say, try supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, and it just describes today. Jane and Michael got dressed and ate breakfast in record time. Soon they were walking down Cherry Tree Lane. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, Jane and Michael said together as they walked along. Mary Poppins stopped to speak to Andrew, their neighbor's dog. Yep, yep, Andrew barked. Yes, of course, Mary Poppins told the dog. I'll go straight away, and thank you very much. Yep, the little dog barked. Then, taking Jane and Michael by the hand, Mary Poppins walked in a different direction. What did he say, asked Jane. There's been a change of plans, said Mary Poppins. Come along, please, don't struggle. Then, quietly, she led them down narrow, twisting streets. After they'd walked for a while, Mary Poppins stopped at a small house. Rap, rap. Mary Poppins knocked on the door with her umbrella. Her friend Bert opened the door. How is he, Mary Poppins asked. Bert shook his head. I've never seen him as bad as this, he said, and that's the truth. Mary Poppins, Jane, and Michael followed Bert inside. In the center of the room stood a table set for tea. Jane and Michael looked around but did not see anyone there. Uncle Albert, you promised not to go floating around again, said Mary Poppins, looking up toward the ceiling. Jane and Michael looked up too. Mary Poppins' Uncle Albert was floating in the air, chuckling Mary. I, I know, my dear, said Uncle Albert, wiping his eyes. But the moment I start, <laughs> it's all up with me. He chuckled again. It's laughing that does it, you know. Jane and Michael both thought a man floating in the air because he was laughing was very funny. They couldn't help it. Soon they started giggling. Bert began to laugh loudly, and as they watched, he rose in the air. Then he was floating beside Uncle Albert. Michael's giggles grew louder. Then Jane began to laugh, too. They couldn't stop. Their feet left the floor, and they rose into the air until their heads bumped the ceiling. I must say, you're a sight, the lot of you, said Mary Poppins. Disapprovingly, her arms folded. Speaking of sight, said Bert, that reminds me of my brother. He's got a nice, cushy job at a watch factory. In a watch factory, asked Uncle Albert. What does he do? He stands about all day and makes faces, said Bert. All four of them laughed so hard that they turned somersaults in the air. I found a horseshoe today, said Bert, holding his sides. You know what that means? I certainly do, said Uncle Albert. It means that some poor horse is walking around in his stocking feet. Now then, James Michael, it's time to Jane and Michael, it's time to go, said Mary Poppins, firmly from below. Oh, please stay, Uncle begged Uncle Albert. He waved at the table on the floor. I have a splendid tea waiting for us. If you could er, manage to get the table to. Just then the table began to move. It rose into the air. Cups, biscuits, teapot, and all. Oh, splendid. Thank you, my dear, said Uncle Albert. Next thing, I suppose you'll be wanting me to pour, said Mary Poppins with a sigh. Then she floated up to join them. The others laughed, bobbing around the table as Mary Poppins poured the tea and passed around the biscuits. I'm having such a good time, said Uncle Albert. I wish you could all stay up here with me always. Well, Jolly will have to, Michael said with a grin. There's no way to get down. Back home, Jane and Michael. Well, excuse me. Well, to be honest, there is a way, said Uncle Albert. Just think of something and down you go. Just think of something sad and down you go. 
time to go home, Mary Poppins said firmly, her voice cutting sharply through the laughter. Jane and Michael became so sad at the thought of leaving that they suddenly fell through the air, followed by Uncle Albert and Bert. Bump, 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 bump. They all landed on the floor. Goodbye, said Michael. We'll be back soon. And thank you, said Jane. We've had a lovely time. Jane and Michael followed Mary Poppins out the door. Uncle Albert waved goodbye. Makes me so sad to see them leave, he said to Bert sadly. Back home, Jane and Michael tried to tell their father about their adventure. He didn't seem to understand. Mary Poppins just said, children will be children, and led them to the nursery. Michael and Jane started getting ready for bed. It was a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious day, Jane said to her brother. Michael nodded. It certainly had been. Little Owl's Egg. Little Owl's mommy had some very exciting news. She had laid a beautiful egg. Guess what, said Little Owl's mommy. We're having a new baby owl. No, said Little Owl. No, no, no. No, said mommy. No, said Little Owl. I'm your baby owl. You don't need a new one. Mommy Owl blinked. Silly me, she said. You're right. Besides, this egg is far too quiet to be a baby owl. Perhaps it's a baby worm. They are so silent and undemanding. Just a bowl of dirt from time to time. Wouldn't that be lovely? No, said Little Owl. No, no, no. Not a wiggly worm. You. Mommy Owl smiled. No, she said. You're right. It doesn't wiggle. Perhaps it's a pretend egg made of chocolate. Wouldn't that be good? No, Little Owl sighed. Chocolate eggs are no fun. They don't know how to play, and they melt if you hug them. Mommy Owl prodded the egg. You're right, Little Owl. This egg is far too be cold to be made of chocolate. Poor egg. Feel it. It's freezing. I wonder if we're having a baby penguin. Goodness, we better go catch some fish for its dinner. No, Little Owl squeaked. Not a penguin. Fish? Yuck. Mommy Owl patted the egg. What a silly mommy. Penguin eggs are warm. It's crocodile eggs that are chilly. That's it. We're having a baby crocodile. I wonder what they eat. Little Owl's eyes grew wide. No, he whispered, not a crocodile. Probably not, whispered Mommy. Besides, it's a huge egg, far too big to be a crocodile. Perhaps it's an elephant. Elephant, laughed Little Owl. That would be amazing. We could have the best water fights. No, said Mommy. No, no, no. Think of our nest. That would be a catastrophe. You're right, said Little Owl. Besides, elephants can't fly, but dragons can. Ooh, I hope it's a dragon egg. Oh, goodness, squeaked Mommy. No, no, no. But it is a very splendid egg, said Little Owl. It must have something very special inside. Perhaps it's a baby. Princess Wormy, Choco Penguin, Crocophant, Dragon Owl. Hmm, I've heard that they only eat very special food. 80 legged snort beans, green gloopy gardle taters. Sounds awful, Mommy groaned. You know, continued Little Owl, a Little Owl just like me would be much more friend fun than a baby princess, wormy, choco, penguin, crocophant, drag owl. Yes, said Mommy, we'd love a baby owl, much, much more than a baby anything else. Little owl put his wings around the egg and gave it a hug. Inside, a tiny heart beat steadily. Thud, thud, thud. When will our egg be ready, said Little Owl. Soon, said Mommy. If it's a new little owl, then I'll be a new big owl, said Little Owl. Yes, said Mommy, you'll be my new big owl, and I'll love you always. Always, said Little Owl. Always, said Mommy. 
Cecily G. and the Nine Monkeys. Here are the names of the nine monkeys in this book. Mother Pamplemousse and Baby Jenny. Curious George, who was clever too. James, who was good. Johnny, who was brave. Arthur, who was kind. David, who was strong. And Punch and Judy, the twins. This is Cecily G. Her whole name is Cecily Giraffe, but she's called Cecily G, or just plain Cecily for short. One day she was very sad because all her family and all her friends had been taken away to a zoo. Cecily G was all alone. She began to cry because she wanted someone to play with. Now in another place lived a mother monkey called Mother Pamplemousse and eight little monkeys. They were sad too because some woodcutters had cut down all the trees in their forest and monkeys have to have trees to live in. One of the little monkeys was called Curious George. He was a clever monkey. He said, we must pack up at once and go on a journey to find a new home. So they did. They walked and they walked and they walked until they came to a bank of a deep river. They couldn't get across and there wasn't anywhere around. They didn't know what to do. Suddenly, Jenny, the baby monkey, pointed across to the other bank. <clears throat> Excuse me. There stood Cecily Giraffe. When she saw the monkeys, she stopped crying. Do you want to get across, she said. Yes, yes, they cried. Step back then, said Cecily G. Whoop! With one big jump, Cecily's front feet landed on the monkey side of the bank, and then she stood still. Curious George was the first to see that Cecily had made herself into a bridge. He ran across. Then came Johnny, who was a brave monkey, then all the others one by one. Thank you, dear giraffe, shouted George, and please put your head down a little so we can talk to you without shouting. That's better. What's your name and why are you sad? My name is Cecily Giraffe and I'm unhappy because I haven't anyone to play with. Why are you sad? We are sad, said George, because we haven't anywhere to live. Then why don't you stay with me for a while, said Cecily. My house is empty now. We'd love to, cried all the monkeys at once. Good, said Cecily, and she smiled for the first time that day. Now it is bedtime. I'll show you your room, and tomorrow we'll have some lovely games. So she tucked all the nine monkeys into one giraffe bed, and in a few minutes they were fast asleep. Next morning, after a good night's sleep and a big breakfast, Cecily G said, Now let's play seesaw. James, you sit on my back. James was a very good monkey and usually had first turn. George, you climb on my head, and Johnny, you sit on my hind feet. That's the way. Now, they cried, up we go. Cecily stood on her front legs. Up, down, up, down, went the seesaw. After a while, Cecily stopped and took on another load. Everyone had a turn, but baby Jenny got so excited that Mother Pamplemousse was afraid she would fall off. She had to climb down and give her place to James, who got an extra ride. Jenny cried a little, but Arthur, who was very kind, dried her tears and told her that he had an idea for another game she could play. So Arthur whispered something to all the other monkeys. They rushed into the house where they had left their belongings, and in a minute they were back with their skis. But there isn't any snow for skis, said Cecily G. Please, said George, be so kind as to stretch your neck so I can tie your head to the top of that tall palm tree over there. I'll be glad to, said Cecily, and she did. Then all the monkeys put on their skis, climbed the tree, and slid down Cecily's back over and over again. Brave Johnny even did stunts. When he jumped, he seemed to be flying. After a while, Cecily's neck got tired, but she was having such a good time that she hardly noticed. You are a wonderful skier, Johnny, she said. Johnny was so pleased, he tried especially high jumping. Bump! 
Downy fell flat on his nose. Mother Pamplinumus ran to pick him up. I think it's time to play something else, she said. Let's find a game that Cecily can play, too. Yes, yes, cried all the monkeys. Johnny thought very hard because he was such a good monkey that he wanted Cecily to be sure and have fun, too. All at once, he had a wonderful idea. We'll make some stilts for Cecily G., he cried. Johnny and David, who was a very strong monkey, cut down two palm trees. The twins, Punch and Judy, did the sign. James hammered the nails. George watched and gave advice. When the stilts were done, he proudly carried them to Cecily G. and told her how to use them. Cecily G. was terribly excited. All the monkeys helped, and up, up, up she went, right into the sky, so high. This page isn't big enough to show all of her. It was very hot the next day, and they all thought it would be just the thing to go to the seashore. After a short walk, they came to the beach, and Mother Pamplemousse thought it would be nice to have a swim before lunch. But Johnny had been thinking. He asked Cecily to put down her head so that he could whisper in her ear. Can you guess what he said? He wanted Cecily to be a sailboat. And so Cecily made herself into a sailboat. Johnny was captain. He shouted orders and pulled the ropes. Not so hard, not so hard, cried Cecily. But she was too late. And over they went into the water. Quick, quick, climb on my back, called Cecily Giraffe, when Johnny cried for help. In a minute, they were safe on the beach, but Cecily was so wet and cold, they decided to take off her skin and hang it in the skin to dry. It's quite complicated to be a giraffe, said Punch to Judy, as they brought Cecily the clothespins. Cecily Giraffe had hardly gotten her skin back on again when a big black cloud came up, cloud came up and hid the sun. Oh, oh, it's going to rain, cried the monkeys. Off they rushed, and back they came, one, two, one, two, carrying their umbrellas on their shoulders. But the rain didn't start at once, and James thought it would be fun to use the umbrellas for a new game. He called it parachute jumping. Each monkey, one at a time, climbed up on Cecily's head, opened his umbrella, and jumped off. <laughs> Down they floated. Sweet. It was fun, so fun, they did it hundreds of times. All went well until all of a sudden, Curious George tipped his umbrella sideways to see that thing, and thump, down he fell. When he looked at his broken umbrella, he sat down on the ground to cry. And just at that moment, the rain started. Poor George. Great splashing drops began to fall around him. Quick, quick, climb up on my neck, George, said Cecily. George climbed up and up until he was in the sunshine again, high above the rain cloud. All week long, Cecily and her new friends had fun. When Sunday came, Cecily was so happy, she decided to give a concert to celebrate. The monkeys thought it a splendid idea. Arthur made up a nice song for them to sing together, and George promised to play on the harp. At last they were ready, and George was just starting them off when someone cried, Fire! Fire! Cecily's house is burning! The concert stopped almost before it started, but no one knew what to do to put out the fire. If only we had a ladder, we could throw water on the flames, said Mother Pamplemousse. I know what to do, said James. There's a pump near the house and a hose, and Cecily can be the ladder. Punch and Judy worked the pump, and George climbed up to turn the hose on the fire. James stood on Cecily's back to guide the hose up to George. In a minute, the fire was out, and Cecily's house was saved. Cecily looked at the wet little monkeys and said, Dear new friends, I don't know how to thank you. Would you like to stay with me always? It would make me very happy. Oh, Cecily, gee, said Mother Pamplemousse, baby Jenny, curious George, brave Johnny, good little James, kind Arthur, strong David, and the twins Punch and Judy all together. We'll stay with you forever and ever. And now let's finish our concert. 
So they took hold of hands, danced around in a ring, and sang Arthur's song as loud as they could sing. <laughs>